we've got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek, giving you the info you need to achieve mega nerd status. Mega nerd status. NetHeads. 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 You guys rock. And now, here's Will and Trent. No one listens to the radio. I wasn't even listening. I was listening to podcasts. Podcasts are great. Radio's boring. Well, I certainly hope that's the case, and you're all tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Oh, wait a minute. That's the way podcasts work. Never mind. I'm sorry. Easily confused. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Heads. My name is Will. You want to take part in the program, I will more than likely hardly notice the fact that you uh, can hashtag NetHeads on Twitter. You can go on to the Facebooks and you can uh, follow us there. But, you know, when it's a podcast, you can just go ahead and um, uh, load it on demand. And that's the only time you are listening. It. So me saying, I hope you're listening, is kind of dumb because you already are. All that said, if you also want to give us a call, you can possibly try at 925-238-9020, hashtag, uh, no, that's not the hashtag, uh, but it is NetHeads on air via Skype. Let me load that up. I'm loading it. It's getting all loaded, uh, but I'm not, and that's a good thing because uh, as a responsible host, I actually did a, a little fill. Now, uh, it, we're actually uh, supposed to do a NetHeads tomorrow with Trent, so this one will go up. Um, as, as immediately as I can possibly immediate it. Uh, so hopefully tonight, uh, but also, um, in the event that anything happens, I also scheduled time with a guy who I've actually known for years, uh, and, and people who've listened to radio askew may remember the name. Uh, but on the phone right now, I have got, uh, none other than, uh, Mr. Uh, Brett Deacon, sir. How are you today? I'm good. Big sexy. How are you? Oh, now suddenly I'm big sexy? You've always been big sexy. I, I don't know how I feel about that, man. It's Friday night. It's pizza day. What do you want? It is National Pizza Day, isn't it? I uh, We had pizza yesterday, though, so I screwed that one up totally. Yeah, everybody screwed that up. Everybody in my office woke up and was like, it's pizza day today? Nobody got pizza. Uh, that's just not uh, that's not copacetic. Um, anyway, sir, uh, I wanted to, uh, first of all, thank you, uh, for filling in and drop it in greatly appreciate it. Uh, especially since this is going out live on a Friday night. So, you know, thank you, sir. Really appreciate that. Oh yeah. You know, I've got nothing else to do on a Friday night. You know me. Oh, come on. You're, you're making time for me and I appreciate it. Um, it's just, it's been a fun and interesting experience, I guess, to say the least. So, uh, to give everyone a little history, uh, Brett Deacon and I met on, uh, Kevin Smith's View Askew web board, as it was known back in the day. Uh, and, uh, then through some of the poker games and, and then we've just stayed friendly 
as I said, he was a guest on, on Radio Askew. But now you have a much more interesting job, sir. And I know you're not officially a company spokesman, so we won't go into like great details. But but uh, why don't you tell the cool people who didn't happen to listen to Dan Fogler's 4D experience earlier today, uh, why don't you tell them uh, what it is you do now? Well, I work for a company called 4DX, and 4DX is a uh, immersive cinema experience. So if you think of like amusement park rides where the seats move up and down and left and right, and there's wind and, and rain and all these effects, well, 4DX takes that experience and it applies it to uh, a feature film like Black Panther or um, Jumanji or Star Wars or any big tentpole title you can think of. Uh, it is another good example. And uh, and it just adds immersive effects to the movie. So if you're watching it, for example, the, when the clown jumps out at you, your chair will also jump with you. So it kind of adds another dimension to the uh, movie going experience. And, uh, holy, holy, holy moly, that is terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, at least from the from the from the basic approach of just sitting in a movie like I was I was in it before. And, and if this any of this is sounding familiar, odds are it's because. Oh, hey. Hello there. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Let's turn that off. Um, Nothing like having that drop in. But the nice thing is on the podcast, it'll be like it never happened. Thank you. Multi-channel recording. Um, So uh, anyway. Uh, I, I, I'd heard about the experience, uh, through Kevin Smith. He had, uh, seen several movies in 4DX. And if you've been listening to Fat Man on Batman lately, then you're, you're more than aware of the fact that, uh, Kevin not only is a fan, but, uh, you've been kind enough to drop by shows and provide free passes to, to, for people to see the 4DX uh, experience. Right? Yeah. Uh- yeah, I've gone to a few uh, Fat Man on Batman live shows at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. And if anybody who is ever in L.A. or visiting L.A. and likes, you know, Star Wars or just any nerd stuff, it's a great – it's a really great environment. And I just was invited to go to the show. And at the last minute, I thought, why don't I bring some tickets? And uh, <clears throat> kind of Kevin tapped on this idea, why don't we give them away? And so, you know, people who go to the show and you ask Kevin a question, you get uh, two free tickets to go check out 4DX at LA Live. And, you know, for anyone who's a a Kevin fan and has ever wanted to ask him a question or wants to, you know, get some real insight on, um, on the film industry and the television industry and comic books, Mark Bernard is fantastic. Um, so the two of them together put on a great show, and it was just really cool of Kevin to give away tickets to this experience. I think it's a, I think it's exceptionally cool, especially uh, for you guys to uh, to do that. Not only uh, now, but but moving forward. Uh, the interesting thing that I like, I, I think it's a, oh wait, I'm I think sorry, it's now exceptionally I'm suddenly cool, hearing myself. Spe- apology. Uh, so uh, the part that I, I love about all of this is the way it all kind of comes around and comes together. So you've got this great immersive experience, uh, like much like uh, I always kind of equate it to a much more graduated version than the uh, soaring over California that uh, 
uh, California Adventure used to have because instead, like you said, the chair moves and pivots, but you also get the sensory input of, of imported smells. And, and I've heard, I've heard talk that like if it's a snowy scene, you can even, even see snow in the room. Is that true? Yeah, some theaters have a snow effect. So the snow will blow between the screen and the audience. So it provides like a really neat um, 3D, like an actual 3D experience. So you can see like the the, the snow is like literally right in front of you. Um, and sometimes it's, if you're in the front rows, it's landing on you. And it does a great job of bringing you into the movie. Well, and that's the whole point of the 4D experience, because how do you go beyond 3D? Once the picture has been brought out to you, how do you increase that? Well, you you got to get another dimension, or in this case, another sense involved. Um, so uh, that part is neat. Heard about it from uh, from Kevin, and uh, he was a big fan of it. And then... Um, I'm I'm just I'm going about my business and on I think New Year's Eve uh Kevin reached out to drop a very specific smodcast uh because it was a two-parter he was doing with Dan Fogler. Uh and in that uh, I I know that uh well I knew Dan Fogler was on this and I knew the second part was going to be in his podcast. Believe it or not, somehow I didn't make the connection. Now that podcast is called Dan Fogler's 4D experience. And, and the basic concept behind it is very simple. He likes to, to get very baked and, and then sees a 4DX movie and then comes back to the studio and talks about it amongst other things. Uh, but that's the, the base concept of it. And I, uh, I never put the two and two together, but uh, one day that are, so that drops on New Year's Eve. And then a little ways down the road, I hadn't been able to listen to it yet. I've been immersed in other things. Uh, and then I get a text from you saying, um, they were talking about 4D experience. And I'm like, well, I know it was Dan's uh, podcast name. And I just kind of brushed it off. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, I'm finally doing catch up. And not only uh, are they bringing up for the 4D experience, uh, 4DX, and how much they love it, but also Kevin just, like, drops your name. He just throws it right there on the table and, and talks about it, uh, and, which is great because, uh, you know, it's always – I like, even to this day, if, if I hear him say my name in reference to something, I, I get excited. You know, I still do. Does that, does that still happen for you or um. – <laughs> it did for a little while, but uh, not so much anymore. But it's true for like anybody. Anytime oh, you, well, wait it, a minute. It's, it's, it's the surrealness of it that you're listening to a podcast and not expecting it to happen, and all of a sudden, like it was almost like it happened in slow motion. That Dan was like, "Do you know what 40x is?" And Kevin's like, "Yeah, I know what 40x is. I know the guy." And then they sort of taught, mentioned my name and. You I know, was more focused on the the holy crap his he has a podcast called 4D Experience. Yeah, and which is interesting cuz you guys weren't aware of it either. So I find that right. funny. Um but then again I realize uh anyone that is a fan of Zack and Mary make a porno. Um I realize now hearing him say your name you are probably immune because you uh, ascended to an entirely different level. Much in the same way that on your appearance today on the Dan Fogler experience, uh, 40 experience, uh, in the way that he was marveling and wanted to say your last name as your name of Deacon and he wanted to be yelling it at you in like a Arnold Schwarzenegger accent or something, uh, much <laughs> in that same way, your name also inspired the naming of of a character in uh, Zach and Mary Make a Porno. Isn't that right? 
Well, I don't know about being ascended to any sort of position, but, uh, you know, that my last name is something that uh, all the men in my family often get called that name. And, you know, you and I, as you were saying, you and I met on the View Askew board, and I'm not a real big fan of having weird names like, uh, I don't know, Jew Askew or something like that. Silver Lurker. Throwing, silver Lurker, right, exactly. Throwing, um, I'm not real big on anonymity. I don't know why. And it just, it, it, uh, that's just what I went with, and it kind of stuck. Um, but people seem to dig it. I'm just, I'm, I'm used to it because I've had it for so long that uh, it doesn't really register with me. But uh, um, yeah, it's been uh, as I think Dan and I talked about. There have been so many movie characters with that last with that name as well. Okay, that, um, you want you want to play it Hollywood cool, man? That's cool with me. I'm all right with it. You just you can just wipe, uh, brush it off. So anyway, so that ends up so that conversation. Not only is it thrill for you, I think it's neat. Well, not such a thrill we've established for you, but then, no, no, it was a, it was a thrill. Don't get me wrong, it <laughs> okay. was a thrill. But to me, it was like I, I can't believe that they're talking about 4D and like I I I was driving the car on Sunset Boulevard. Talk about Hollywood cool. And I almost swerved off the road because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Oh, yeah. Especially considering, you know, you're like, okay, well, that means now once again, we've got all of Kevin's audience talking about 40X, but now here's Fogler talking about it and he's got a podcast named it. So that was, that pro was probably interesting, but that leads to you appearing on Fogler's podcast today. Well, I mean, Kevin was kind enough to put us in touch and, you know, I reached out to Dan and said, hey, you know, let's send you some passes. And he came back with a lot more and recorded a really, I don't know if you've heard it, but he recorded a short audio commercial, which um, I think is really funny. Um, and yeah, he, he invited uh, me to come on briefly, but generously to come on to his podcast. And uh, he, uh, I've been a fan of his ever since Fanboy, so it was a, it was a bit of a thrill for me. Now, did he do Fanboys before or after Good Luck Chuck? I think it was before. Um, a little hazy on that, but he... Well, that's because know, wasn't Fanboys in like editing and post-production for two or two and a half years? Possibly. Yeah, I, I think it yeah, was. You probably would have a better handle on that than I do, but a lot of people don't know that Dan is actually a, a Tony winner, I believe, for... Oh the uh the spelling bee play that is true and if you don't know what we're talking about uh i gotta tell you go back to the uh dan fogler episode of smodcast it'll it'll tell you everything you need to know but yeah dan is definitely a guy that could be moving towards the egot uh which of course is the the sacred uh quad quad I don't know, four things that you could get, never mind, uh, in the, entertainment. But, you know, it's just right. kind of like you're a jack-of-all-trades in the entertainment world if if you're an EGOT. Why they couldn't uh, – well, I don't know. What else – what other way could you possibly do that um, that uh, acronym? I, I guess you really couldn't. But, no, you're right. Because then it's like it's ghetto. Gito, technically, because it's a vowel, consonant vowel. Uh, Gito. I, I would say I think Gito sounds better. That's just me. Well, they did it alphabetically. E oh, they did very good, Mister uh, Brett Deacon. I'm impressed. You you put that together really quick. I was I'm still lost in the weeds trying to figure out what a Gito is. Um, 
So anyway, so then you uh, now they put you together, but but how exactly do you prepare for this? Because you're a production manager, you're the guy that makes sure when you get a new. And I'm guessing because I know you explained it moments ago, but I was busy trying to open this and that to see who I might be able to interact with and all that jazz. Uh, because you know why actually pay attention to the guest who's taking time from his Friday night to talk to us? Um, <laughs> why would I? Why would I be courteous like that? But as a production manager, my assumption is that you, um, uh, your your main uh, function is to uh, kind of coordinate all the elements once a new movie comes in to make sure you guys are able to roll that out as a 4DX movie. Yeah, that's 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 exactly it. So you were paying attention. Okay, good. So 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 in that, uh, you know, you're not exactly. You're not on the PR team, if you will, right? You're not. Uh, no. So, so at that point, what happens at the? I'm just curious, and if you can't discuss it, that's fine. But what happens at the corporate level when suddenly it's like, okay, so apparently our production manager has an in with Dan Fogler, who, by the way, uh, named his podcast after us. I mean, how did all of this shake down, like internally speaking, as much as you can, uh, without uh, getting yourself fired? <laughs> Well, it's really not that difficult because I work uh, in conjunction with the marketing team as well because we do influencer screenings and they want to do um, – uh, they need uh, they do, they need to do a bunch of stuff. But uh, So I just kind of told them after I heard the podcast that, hey, you know, we should reach out to this guy because he has this podcast called The 4D Experience and he's part of the Fantastic Beast franchise and – I'm not kidding. There's literally a poster of the Fantastic Beasts movie 10 feet from my desk with Dan on it. And they're like, who is this guy? And I just went over. I pointed at the poster. I said, it's that guy. That's the guy we're talking about. And then it kind of clicked with them. I was like, oh, yeah, we know that guy. Sure. Absolutely. And so we were off and running from there. Very nice, dude. That is uh, that's that's cool, because, you know, sometimes uh, when it comes to things like that, People will just get all hung up on the details or the minutia and they'll they'll be concerned about the message and the image and this, that or the other thing. And it's nice to hear that they just didn't kind of get too hung up and realize, oh, this is an opportunity and, and it doesn't really uh, reflect negatively on us at all. Yeah, we have a fantastic marketing team that um, that we, we like to encourage the enthusiasm for the brand, I guess, and. Dan was already doing it. We have, I, I'm embarrassed that we weren't aware of it. It just didn't really click on me. And I remember when the podcast went up, I was like, oh, you know, I like listening to Kevin's podcast. And I especially like listening to it when he does an interview. So I think Kevin's one of the best uh, interviewers out there. And I knew Dan. And, you know, it's kind of what draw me in. And I, I wish I had known about his podcast earlier. But uh, I'm definitely kind of backlogging it now. Well, right on, man. And that's the you know that's what you should do you know when you find a good thing you want to get all caught up on it. Well, it's a if you I I recommend everybody you know it's not just his show is ninety nine percent not four D X. I mean he, he definitely is a fan of the format and loves talking about it and promoting it. But uh, he gives really insightful interviews with um, I think he had Bob Odenkirk on there. Um, I just listened to the one he did, Lena Hall, Matt who has a movie about with it. Dan coming out called Bex, which I think just hit iTunes today. Look, see, now I'm plugging all of Dan's stuff. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, well, this is just the Podrific uh, uh, promotion podcast, apparently. Yeah. 
I mean, I like podcasts. Uh, you know, I listen to it when I walk the dogs. I listen to it when I'm driving the car or, you know, when, when I'm trying to have a moment to myself. And I love interview podcasts. And and I think Dan, like Kevin, is a gifted interviewer. And, you know, it, uh, it's, it's, it's really a great listen. So I'm, I'm glad we found it. And I'm glad it's a great podcast. And I'm glad he likes the format. Interviewer. And I'm just glad it all is, uh, has worked out great. So. Yeah, it it's nice that it all came together. And and I think the other thing too is it's nice to to hear that you know, you're a guy that and this isn't something we talked about, but it's just something I know cuz we're friendly, but it's nice that you found this kind of little uh niche part of Hollywood to uh to to fit in and and work within if you will. Um if you know what I mean, it's like you're you're definitely solidly in the entertainment industry. But you're not stuck doing the boring, same old, same old that other people have to do. No, instead, you've got the benefit of of being able to be involved in the entertainment industry, but but make something that is innovating the entertainment industry. Because let's face it, uh, more and more people aren't going to the movies. And something like this, where, you know, even if it's just, even if it's $10 more than an average ticket, I would say I'm getting that much in production value alone. And that's just a round number I'm throwing out. I have no idea how much I would imagine it is. It is a, it, it would be a slight uh, enhancement, if you will, uh, to go see. Do you see want me if, to tell you what it is? If, if nobody's going to mind, yeah. They would. <laughs> that's a common misconception with 40X is that it's so drastically expensive. The uh, L.A. Live ticket is the most expensive ticket in L.A., but you have to understand that it's a base ticket plus a surcharge. And at L.A. Live, there's a $4. I'm just using L.A. Live as an example, but this is pretty much for all the um, the uh, domestic sites. It's a, only a $4 add-on for 4DX. And when you consider all the other effects that you get with it, and it's really kind of a bargain. And... The other thing I like about 4DX is this is a way to experience a movie that you're not going to be able to experience at home. Like when you go and you watch The Last Jedi, for example, in a theater, it's in 4DX. That's the only time you can watch it in that format. When you get it at home on Blu-ray or digital download or whatever, you know, unless you're having an earthquake or you're moving your own chair, it's not going to be the same thing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. Even even no matter how much you bring into the house, whether you're using the Philips Hue lighting and you're doing this or that, right. you'll never get that. And and I think the thing that uh that Fogler impressed upon me the most because I never thought about this. And, and the thing about it too is uh I, I don't know if this is something that he did experience. If it is, I'm very interested into what thought went behind this, but uh, like I think it was during his conversation with Kevin Smith or on his show, he was saying that so far his favorite 4DX movie has been The Last Jedi. And part mm-hmm. of the reason was because, you know, it, it instantly tapped into that 10-year-old in him because, like, while he's watching the movie as a 4DX movie, he gets to find out what it smells like being in the Millennium Falcon. Well, <clears throat> sure, but the the best... In the Star Wars films, when you're like the a better example is in The Force Awakens when the Millennium Falcon chase through the uh, on Jakku, when they're like dipping and diving, you know, you have wind that's creating a sense of speed and your chair is dipping and diving with the Falcon and it's an exhilarating experience. 
But but are you guys also adding in those light touches as well? Like, for example, if it is if somebody's hopping into a new car, you get like that new car smell. So in this case, like, is there an environmental smell for the Millennium Falcon? And are you able to divulge what those are? Well, there isn't an environmental smell for the Millennium Falcon. There's actually only a limited number of smells, and that's only because if we were to have 100 smells, it would take up a massive amount of space in a theater just to, to, to hold all the various canisters that you would need to generate the smells. Um, but there are about 8 to 10 different scents. Uh, burning rubber is a popular one that Kevin talks about a lot. Um, there's uh, gunfire, and there's also like a mo- uh, coffee, like a, like a sweet bread. And I think a mountain scent or some of them. What about They're leather? What about leather? There is no leather. Sorry. Okay. All right. See, because that's, that's what I would think what part of the Millennium th- – uh, I think it smells like burnt electronics and leather. Probably. That's me. Yes. Probably. That's, I mean, I don't know how accurate I am in that at all. But that, that's that's where my mind goes. But that's interesting, though, because that means – now, at times, does that mean you guys go straight uh, forward or do you sometimes like find the combination of ten uh, percent uh, burning rubber and and seventy percent like burnt electronic, you know, comes out to something that's relatively close to an ashtray fire? I'm just like throwing things out here, but well, it- scent is um, pretty much on or off. You can't mix the two, so you're either and you can't do percentages. So you're either you know adding this scent or that scent. Um, and all they do is a lot of people think, well, I'm going to come out of this thing smelling like all these different scents. The scents um, don't are just meant to create a mood, you know. So if you're looking at a meadow, you'll have like a, a meadow scent of fresh flowers. And then immediately there's a fresh air scent that comes with at right after it to kind of cleanse everything. So if you were to have all these different scents that you're talking about, you would end up in a theater that would just reek after a day's showing. Understood. Um, now, does that mean you guys also have to limit the number of showings per day? No. no. Okay, because you, because you already do that balance to where you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. That's why they add a little bit of fresh air, and the scent only comes out for a few seconds. Um, so it's like I said, it's just meant to like like a gentle waft of something, just to give you an idea of what it might be. Now, when it comes to the engineering of the seat movements – has it, it are there already like uh base movements that you guys have determined that are or or if you will universal movements per se it's like if a if a ship or a car is turning left it's like this cuz i would imagine like having to map all of that out for during the movie would be uh challenging to say the least or do you guys have to have like an inertia motion expert on hand well, the editors are trained to um, do custom motion, and all the motions are done custom. Um, there are some shortcuts, like if you're on a boat and it's gently rocking, there, there is a, a, a preset for that. But even that will be tweaked to match the, the screen. Um, but the editors are just trained to know um, how to mimic different shots. And if you do enough movies... They, they get really good at uh, just knowing, okay, well, I see this shot, and I know what I need to do for this. So they, they just instinctively know how to match it. But everything is custom-made. Even the vibrations you feel in the seat, 
um, those are all custom designed to match the sound or whatever they're trying to enhance on the screen. Most of the time, it's sound. So editors will put in like almost 2,000 different custom vibrations when they're doing doing the film. So they these guys um, take a lot of pride in what they're doing, and they do a great job of creating a, a definitely a unique experience. There are some 4D companies that will just take the subwoofer track and add vibrations to that, and 4DX definitely isn't that. They, these guys put in a lot of hard work to uh, get the film ready. Speaking of which, how how long does it take if you're like you know or or is it a matter of we know for an action movie every 30 minutes equals x number of days of effort am i going well, too detailed here have, have i lost everyone else in the world i find this stuff cool you might be boring everybody else but uh i'm happy to answer all the questions um it usually takes about two weeks sometimes a little longer sometimes a little bit less but we try to budget at least two weeks um it varies from film to film, so it's tough to tell. Um, the editing team won't know how long it'll take until they get a first glance at the movie, and then and then they just get to work. Oh, so it doesn't sound as horribly complex as I anticipated. Well, it's really complex. I'm just simplifying it for you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Dumb it down for the big dummy behind the mic. That's what you no. should always do, my friend. But never let him know he's the dummy behind the mic. Always make him feel like he's the smartest man alive. <laughs> you are the smartest man alive. I am not. I only play him on the web. So um, so I, I still find that a, a, a great concept. Uh, and it's nice to hear that it, it really... It is kind of a, a refined art form, if you will, because your your editors can get into a groove. Uh, I could just imagine, though, uh, like what type of of negotiations must go on, because technically that means you guys have a copy of the film. You know, it, let's just figuratively say three weeks before release it just in order to get the job done and to be able to drop it on day one. Well, I mean, that's not. Um, that's not always, that's not always the case. Um, we oftentimes get to see the film about two to three weeks before the release. Um, but, uh, as far as having the content, that's not always the case. Um, they do definitely work with it, but we don't always have it in the facility. Um, but, uh, I was going to say that, um, there's, this is a relatively new thing that's launched in the U.S. I started two and a half years ago with 4DX. And when I started, there were two theaters in the U.S. And now there's, I think, nine, include, and there's one in Toronto. We just opened it in Washington, D.C. And uh, hopefully in the next year or two, we're going to be launching all over the U.S. So, you know, this has been very popular in Japan and China and Korea, obviously, which is where the company is based. Um, it's hugely popular in Europe uh, just launched a theater in Australia, Latin in Mexico. It's massive, and so we're approaching 500 theaters, and it just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> you go ahead and check that one off the bullet points that management made sure you wanted to talk about, Brett. You can mark that <laughs> one off right there. Uh, no, I I I, uh, I, I often uh, pester uh, Brett, asking, "So when are we getting a San Francisco theater?" Nothing I can talk about yet. Click. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, but hey. you know, I like I'm really looking forward to having something convenient. I know. 
Uh, I could just take like an hour and a half flight down to L.A., hang for a day, but that seems like a bit much just to make sure I get the world's best movie experience, don't you think? No, because then you can come see me. Ah, good point. There you are. All right. Well, you know, it's still, your priorities? It's still a bit much. Well, you know, I've got kids, and uh, it's – well, I mean, it's hard for me to say as I'm sitting here in a room – uh, doing this and neglecting them, but you know it's important for me to spend time with them. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, because that plays really well when you're uh, sitting in a podcast room. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, when you guys are listening back <laughs> on this later, my wonderful daughters, please know that I I really uh, love you from the bottom of my heart, and I wasn't intentionally neglecting you. Okay, now that we got that disclaimer out of the way, um, mm-hmm. so uh, does that mean too that? Um, like in, in, when you guys receive the movie and everything else, are there like, uh, is, is there any strict logging or something that maybe the studios enforce? It's like, literally you only have a specific clearance list of people that are allowed to see the property to get the job done. Uh, all I'm going to say there is that, uh, yes, it is limited to who can view advanced content. And then, and the funny thing is, I, I say that not out of um, uh, like asking stupid questions, but there are other things in my professional life that kind of relate mm-hmm. to compliance matters. And, and so, it, like, I could just see, well, this is probably one of those things where it's treated as a as a it's it would be data classified as need to know. You know what I mean? It's not yes. just everybody within the building. It's it's not like, hey, let's invite Sharon uh, from Billing to come down and and watch, uh, you know, uh, whatever the, the, the Last Jedi. I'm like using an example of something I know you guys have done. Um, <laughs> but uh, but still, that's it's really cool, and, and it's got to be kind of exciting to be part of something that is. Uh, I mean, especially you're talking about something uh, that you've been with long enough now where you've you're seeing it grow and flower. You've been tending this field for so long and mm-hmm. now, well, not so long. I mean, it's not like it's been your cross to bear or anything, but, you know, you've you've been you've been with it for a while. And so uh, I think it's uh, it's really exciting. And I just I, I hope that it gets to a point where at least every theater has one 4dx theater within it you know what i mean yeah i think that's the way theaters are going i I talk about this a lot um to the point where i think people in the office roll their eyes when i mention this but i think the theater of the future you know 10 15 years ago and even to a large degree today movie theaters are just like you know 10 15 multiplexes and i think the theater of the future is going to have an IMAX theater, a 4DX theater, and then I think it's going to have our new thing, which is ScreenX, which is what they do is they, they expand the movie so it's it's showing on the sidewalls. Um, and that's really cool. So it, it, it really like gives you more of a peripheral. Um, it, it's not like you know the Cinerama Dome or I can't remember the ones from back in the day where it was like Super Scope or whatever. This one is, I mean, they actually put projectors pointed at the walls and the walls come alive with the film as well. Um, and that's really cool. So this company is doing a lot of cool things to, you know, innovate the way we, we see movies. And that's really what I like. And I like the fact that, you know, we work with every studio. A lot of people in this town, you know, if you're fortunate to work with Disney, that's amazing. But you're only working on Disney projects. And at 40X, we pretty much work with everybody. And so, you know, every every week it's a new thing coming in. So... That's that's what I really like about it. 
Yeah, always something different. Always something different. You know, and and yeah. and when you get to enjoy that type of diversity, uh, it makes things a lot more fun. You know, and and that's part of the reason why I enjoy the things I do because they do challenge me uh, to to think of new things to do constantly. If I didn't have that, I I would literally go nuts and i and i am sorry for the people that do have to perform the the mundane daily in and out tasks but you know it's it's like everyone's got to do something right everyone's got to be part of the machine or the machine won't go right well there's a lot of mundane tasks in my job it's just there there are also some fun moments like when i got to be on dan's podcast and you know, just even like when people, you know, tell ask what I do and I tell them and they say, oh, I've heard of that. That's what I like. You know, and that's only going to grow and grow and grow. So, I, I just like, want to I, I just want to be in the room seeing you point at the poster and saying this guy, this guy right yeah. here. Yeah. The one on the same poster as the main as, as the as the star of the film. Right. The guy who has technically shared screen time with Johnny Depp. <laughs> well. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was hoping he would say I, I had the coolest job in the world because then I could have said, no, no, no. You have the coolest job in the world because you're in a movie where your love interest is Allison Soodle. But I never got that opportunity. Yeah. See, sometimes you got to make your own opportunities, sir. Like, I, I was like, I like trying to go with the flow. Like how you just did. Because we all know Dan will listen to this, right? Definitely. I think he'll take the time to drop in. Why not? You know. It's not like his life isn't filled with other things to do. Right. Like kids and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, you and I were, it's funny you say that you and I were supposed to be doing this, but you know, I have a toddler that did not nap today. So it was an interesting balance trying to figure out, uh, what time we were going to be able to start, uh, because as a, as a co-parent, if you will, um, it, it's just not appropriate for me to, uh, to cut bait and run. Uh, on my wife when you got a toddler who is is balancing carefully between the attempt to communicate and just making high-pitched squealing sounds right well i'm on your wife's side you should be helping out i agree completely Uh, but i will say the kid has been very entertaining today just the other day uh she finally i know you don't care about this but i'm gonna tell you anyway i do she finally let us uh put her hail up in in two uh ponytails right or piggy tails or whatever they call them uh which my wife has been looking to do she's been allowing one but finally she got to do two well for some reason two wasn't enough so then she asked my wife to take all the hair that was still down in the back and put that into a ponytail so then she had like three ponies at once but then she took it one step further and this is what i respect because she basically designed the voltron of hair because these all three of these independent ponies came together to form one giant pony now i'm not saying it would be able to defend the galaxy but i was very impressed at her commitment level you know it, the only thing i could see more <laughs> is like next she's just gonna end up getting into a hairstyle like ray where she had the 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 back ridges and bumps going along the back of her head right how did ray sleep she would have to sleep on her side with that hair right I mean, unless you just got used to it or it had a really supportive yet soft pillow. That's a great question, though. I never thought about that. It does kind of uh, make you wonder about the uh, practicality of it all. Right. Exactly. And, you know, not to mention, if you're a junker and, and, you know, your entire life is just getting up and drudging through everything, I would really think a high-maintenance hairstyle like that would just kind of get in the way it, i would just figure you would tie it off and be done 
because when she's crawling around in them ships, she's wearing the the helmet and the stormtrooper uh, goggles she made and all that. So it's not like her hair is at risk. That's a good point. Now we're rewriting the Star Wars, the new Star Wars trilogy. No, we're not rewriting. We're just getting into one of those debates that's completely pointless because we're talking about <laughs> fictional characters. That's true. Uh, and, and that is another narrative that I've been loving uh, along all of the talk about The Last Jedi is just hearing Kevin, you know, you know, bring up the final point of, well, you know, Luke can do whatever Ryan Johnson writes. Luke Skywalker does this, you know, right. <laughs> because that really is. It's not about canon or anything else. It's just whatever the creator has in their mind. And uh, we can't make that. What was your take on on Last Jedi, if you don't mind my asking? I I actually really loved The Last Jedi. I was totally entertained by it. I was, I mean, the, the opening battle sequence. I, I don't know what people who complain about Star Wars movies are expecting. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't understand the criticism. Star Wars movies have never been this epic thing. They're all just adventure movies. And Star Wars The Last Jedi is a great adventure movie. It's got great action. It's got great laughs. It's got characters you like. Mark Hamill killed it. I, what more do people want? I don't know. It was, for me, it was like it was pure, unquestionable entertainment. I just sat down. It, it grabbed me. I, it walked up, grabbed me by the balls, and then didn't let go the rest of the movie. It had my attention the whole time. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. It brought me visions of, of greatness that uh, I saw in my childhood. It got me from point A to point B. Like, I don't know the, the people that have a problem with the casino scene. I don't understand because it never really bothered me. Well, I understand. I understand the criticism that the casino scene uh, slows things down, slows things down a bit. Um, but this is really nitpicking, you know, I I like to be del- I think Kevin said it better actually best actually you want to be delighted in a Star Wars movie and like when Yoda shows up at the end of the second act you're like oh my god it's Yoda how are you not delighted in that moment you know oh I was thrilled especially the moment and 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 once again this just talks about the the practical versus the CGI I mean even though yeah he had a little work done if you will because you don't a puppet just doesn't glow blue. Um, but, uh, the moment you realized, oh my God, it, it, it's the puppet. It looks just like the puppet. I remember from the first time seeing him and that part's exciting, but it instantly, you just, it, it then pops out of your mind because Yoda is supposed to be alien, something different anyway. So him being a puppet instantly relieves the culpability of the character being anything else than what it is. So the moment my mind saw that, I loved it because from that moment on, I mean, aside from when he did his stupid dance, I didn't question anything about the puppet. Well, I, you and I are from an era when we remember that there were Star Wars movies that came out. There are only three of them. They came out three years apart, and then it was all about the action figures. And there weren't any of the video games. There were some books. There were a lot of great toys. But the stuff the kids have today um, just blows my mind. And I'm like, you're getting a Star Wars movie every year. What is the matter? What are you complaining about? We we, we grew up in a a pre-Iron Man age where you weren't getting a comic book movie all the time, you know? Yeah, nobody was building a cinematic universe on our watch. No. I mean, except those guys from Troma with the uh, Toxic Avenger. I think that was like the only... 
Well, I guess everybody in the horror genre genres kind of was building their little cinematic universe, but they never branched out from one character. You know, let's not get right. caught up in the minutia. We've been doing that way too much this uh, episode. Right. Um, <laughs> but we went on a tangent. Sometimes the minutia is what you need, though. You know, I just, uh, I, I just know that I, I sat down and I really never questioned anything. And I think after the movie, my only problem I had with the whole thing just came down to why was Laura Dern such a dick and not telling Poe what was going on. But, you know, it, it it doesn't matter because even though you don't like the casino scene or you think it slowed things down, it did the important part of getting our characters over to where they needed to be on that other ship, if for no other reason, so that somebody could take care of Phasma Okay, never mind. I really don't know why that was all in there. It just doesn't hold up. But I, I never, it never bothered me. The only thing that did was the whole why couldn't Laura Dern just tell Poe what was going on? Yeah, but I think Laura Dern's character knew that Poe had to learn a lesson. Um, I think what bothers you is that Leia is incapacitated, and then all of a sudden now Laura Dern's there, and you don't understand why Laura Dern is deciding to take this as a teaching moment for Poe, whereas. If she had just been alongside Leia in the beginning, you'd be like, "Oh, well, she's just taking, she's just teaching Poe what uh, what Leia would have taught him." You know, like Leia probably wouldn't have told him what was happening. Well, and my fa- my favorite part too is, uh, you know, I'm like I when it comes to to travel in space, linear concepts do present a problem for me because, and I've said this before, it's like so, you know, if that was or wasn't the exact same. Um, uh, or uh, more to the point, if they don't have more than one dreadnought, okay, maybe my case is a little misstated, but you've got all these ships that aren't really able to do enough damage on, on these other ships, but space isn't a road. It's not like everybody's uh, in California IA and we're on Route 66 heading towards Texas. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people can come from New York at the other direction, and New York isn't necessarily spatially on the same plane. It could be anywhere within the 360-degree realm of a full sphere, uh, if nothing else. So uh, the concept of the uh, road chase, if you will, I had a little bit of a problem with that. But the other thing, too, is uh, in the long run, it although Poe had to, quote-unquote, learn a lesson— even though so far that lesson just seemed to be, okay, well, yeah, well, let's let Luke do what he's going to do and take this opportunity to get everyone out. I'm not sure he really learned a whole hell of a lot in that movie, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, unless you want to correct me, sir. I, I think, well, when Poe realizes that Luke is creating a distraction, I think that's the culmination of what Poe learned, which is it's about sacrifice. I mean, he, he learned that being a leader is doing someone you know sacrificing for the greater good um, instead although, of instead of being the one to go out and just try to blow them up right like okay. sometimes living to fight another day makes sense okay and, I'll, I'll give you that however if poe hadn't insisted and if they hadn't lost those bombers and everything else they said the dreadnought is a fleet killer so without that dreadnought gone that the last jedi is a whole hell of a lot shorter because they fall out of hyperspace and then whoop here's the dreadnought kaboom kaboom you're gone yeah i know (laughs) so uh so it's the important part is don't pick apart your movies folks just enjoy them just sit and watch them you know 
and and I and I really have been that way. I've tried to be that way a lot more. Like with with mm-hmm. Last Jedi, I know I never sat there trying to figure out why they were going, and that may be because the movie was holding me enough. Whereas, uh, like for example, sitting and watching Get Out, that movie constantly makes me question what's going on, so I go hyper analytical. So I guess maybe it all depends on the type of movie, but it really does bug the shit out of people I know that I'm constantly what seems to be trying to figure out what's happening in the movie. And- well, I I think some movies um, get better the more you analyze them and then people get frustrated when they analyze something and it kind of falls apart for them. And <clears throat> I can only say that, look, one, you should enjoy, you should watch a movie and be like, did I have a good time for two hours? And that's kind of true for anything you do, you know? Um, it's like Kevin always says at the end of his live show, he's like, did you have a good time tonight? It's like, that's the way you should approach everything in life. You know, if you went to The Last Jedi and you had a great time and you get home and you're like, well, you know, this didn't make sense and that didn't make sense. Well, then that's kind of on you, you know? Yeah. I if, think, if you go back and nitpick it. I, I would definitely agree. I would definitely agree. Uh, and also, it's. I think the other important thing that you can take away if you had a good time this evening is also the approach you should go into something with. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, like, for example, if I were him taking the stage to do a Get Old or just a Q&A or a Hollywood Babylon, the intention is that I know I'm going to get a positive response when I ask that question at the end of the night. So, in other words... Try to bring some joy into everything you do. That's where I'm going yes. with it. If you want to, if if you want to take that into a hyperanalytic minutia level, you could do it there. And that's, it's you know, uh, it, it. I may not be able to apply it practically in my life, but it's a good, it's a good lead uh, way to think about things or to think them out. That's my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And and I had a lot of joy watching the Last Jedi. And that's that. Anybody wants to pick it, that's on them. I had a great time. I can't wait to get the disc at home and, you know, go over and over it again for as long as I'm able. So (laughs) I don't know what you mean by disc, sir. Disc. Well, digital download, you know, whatever the kids are using these days. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I I have to say, though, uh, that, of course, the big thought on my mind uh, which I don't know uh, if you've heard things about or not. Uh, but for me, naturally, I got to bring this up. And I'm sorry, folks. Uh, trying to think of a tech problem or bit of advice I could give, and I got nothing. So there's your technical side of NetHeads. Um, uh, I have to ask this, though. Uh, have you heard good things, as good of things about Black Panther as I have? What have you heard about Black Panther? Uh, I have heard that it is just overall an amazing movie. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. So so you've heard good things as well? I have heard those same good things. Okay. I'm glad to hear that because it's the one movie where I've kind of, like, I don't even, and, and I'm glad about this. Uh, you know, it's kind of like all Marvel movies feel this way. I really don't have much idea of what's going on in the plot of this movie at all. I mean, I have... No clue. It would like with 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 uh, Doctor Strange, y- you knew there was like a bunch of spell cast spell casting and stuff was going to happen. Uh, but you know, with this, I I don't even know what we're going to be getting. Uh, so I I just know that everything I see looks really really cool. 
Um, but I, I just don't know if I'm going to come away from this uh, astounded, amazed, or all of the above. And I'm hoping it's all of the above. Well, here's a good conversation starter. I read, I'm bringing this back around, but I, I read Mark Bernardin's Variety Review. Or was it Nerdist? I think it was Nerdist, maybe. I don't remember where it was, but it was definitely Mark that said it, that this is the kind of first time you're going to get to see um, an African nation that is more technologically advanced than any other nation on the world and what that means. And also a nation that has never been conquered like an African. Think about like a a third world country, Um, whether it's like Thailand or Vietnam or or any nation in Africa that hadn't been colonized, just a, a, a nation that was able to grow without, you know, first world influences. And that is a fascinating idea. So on that level, I think it's cool that Marvel is taking the opportunity to branch out into those new ideas. And I think that's what's really exciting about a Black Panther movie. I, well, I think the, the, the use overall of even that particular character is pretty – but it's it's kind of been the philosophy uh, of Marvel the whole time because in many ways they kind of have pulled on their more obscure characters. I mean, a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, who the hell saw that coming? Nobody did. Then we were like the guy the one with the talking raccoon? I don't know about this. Uh but at least when we first heard the announcement. And I mean, even launching their their movie line with with Iron Man. I mean, I don't think that when it when you come away from Marvel, the first three things that come to mind, not one of them is going to be originally Iron Man, uh, and they were kind of in a licensing hole. But and but what they've done with their available characters uh, has been amazing. Uh, and and I think for us as an audience, this is a a really interesting time. Not just because all these movies are coming out. But because of the way we're now seeing the natural evolution of these ongoing uh, cinematic universes, because eventually, you know, uh, as I put it the other day, eventually uh, Chris Hemsworth is going to want to eat a biscuit. You know what I mean? Uh, He's going to want to enjoy some some carbs or a candy apple, you know, Um, and and there's only so many times that. That uh, that Robert Downey Jr. is going to say, okay, uh, let let's put on the let's stick my head in the black box again and go. Um, you know, it, there's a, it, eventually uh, not to mention, you know, Captain America, Chris Pine as well. You know, everybody's Chris er, Pine, er, not Chris Pine. That's that's uh, Chris that's Evans. Captain. There's too many Chris's Hemsworth, Pine Evans. Uh, Pine is Captain Kirk. Sorry. Um, but wait, didn't we see him? Oh, he was also in Wonder Woman. Anyway, yes. neither here nor there. What I'm getting at is we're we're getting to the point where the characters naturally have to be aged out of the movies. Like, I don't have high hopes at all for Captain America, for uh, Thor, or for Iron Man when it comes to uh, the upcoming Infinity War. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to die, but I definitely think they're going to be ready for retirement if they don't die. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it, it's kind of interesting to see the way 
that a movie company is going to have to deal with this because they are talking about these long-term projects. So in order to see this to fruition, they, they really kind of needed to build the Avengers and then take these steps to where they could tell this, this gigantic cinematic experience story. Um, so it's just, uh, for me as an audience member and as a person that wonders about the technical side of things, it's really interesting to see how this plays out just because of the, the regular chronology of life, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I think you, I think you ran over something that is going to, that you should take comfort in, which is Marvel has kind of proven that they can take anything like even Ant-Man or as you said, guardians of the galaxy. And they've, it's not so much that they've, they've run out of characters. What they've done that was so smart is they, they figured out how to make these movies and they've had some mistakes along the way. Like, you know, I think we we can all agree that Thor, the dark world is a, a bit of a misstep and there's been some others. Um, <clears throat> they've, they've really, you know, done a good job of, especially lately of like they've cracked the code. So they know how to do it. They know the beats they need to hit. They need, they know the filmmakers they want to bring in. They know the actors to be in, they they just they, they they have figured it out. So I don't think it matters going forward. As much as I don't want to see these characters end, especially like Thor, because Ragnarok was amazing. Who doesn't want to see, you know, Taika Waititi make four more four, Thor movies, right? I do. Um, I do. <laughs> I hope they I hope they keep doing that. But you know, I think that the Marvel, as you know, has so many characters that it. They've got the formula down. It's not going to matter. They're just going to start. They'll just bring in somebody else, you know? Yeah, as long as they find the right people and it all works out. Because I know that originally, uh, when it came uh, down to it, I, I was really bummed out when uh, the news came that, that Edgar Wright was was detaching himself from Ant-Man because I was really looking forward to that but you know much in the same way of of careful what you wish for we wouldn't have ever gotten baby driver if he hadn't do that done that so you know i'm not going to complain now but you know i think that they are definitely finding the right way to work with the right talent uh and i think they're also realizing that that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and now Thor did so well because of their their hyper realityness. You know, it's like thanks for starting all this in a grounded manner that we could all understand, but we really want more of the cosmic shit. Is what I'm trying to say. I, I don't know. I, th- I think what people, I think what Marvel's figured out is that, and this was kind of Dark World's uh, downfall was you need to make it fun. You got to inject more humor into these things. Because that's really what people want to go for action and humor, you know, and well, and, you know, the thing is, too, I think uh, definitely when it comes to Winter Soldier and then Civil War, I think the other thing they figured out, too, was the like the right thing to do with Captain America. You know, it's like, well, this guy is a soldier. And after they got through the whole origin story. Now they get to deal with a few different things. There's the crisis of the frozen man. So, you know, coming back into culture, that's one thing, one little aspect. But they worked it in humorously to that movie, which was good. So they addressed it. But the other thing that they decided was that with with Captain America, its main push is going to be kind of more political in a manner. And that's why with Winter Soldier, we kind of got a three days of the Condor vibe and... 
you know, yeah. and with uh, with even with with Civil War, you kind of get some Manchurian candidateness. Uh, so much so that it's one of the the cute nicknames that that Stark drops. Uh, so I, yeah. you know, I I think now that they've really kind of because we hadn't we hadn't seen a Thor movie, I don't believe, between uh, Cap two and uh, Cap three, and and. Since then, the entire tones of the movies have changed. They've they take themselves far less seriously while still uh, kind of respecting the audience. So, uh, I, you know, I it's it's a great time, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see the way this works out generationally as well. Because you know, for characters, I mean, let's face it these are these are movies based on the comic book world. So eventually. We are going to see some of the comic book tropes come in. Uh, and, you know, we may see Cap retire now. And then a decade from now, it's a big stunt because they're bringing back, uh, Chris Evans. You know what I mean? Or they're sure. bringing back Chris Hemsworth. And then there's going to be all the footage of them going all, um, oh God, what's his name that played Logan? Come Wolverine? on. Yeah. Hugh Jackman. Jackman, you know, there'll be all the stories of them in their, their late forties, tearing it up in the Jim Jackman style. Uh, it, it, it's, it, I don't know, man. It, it, I hate to say that movies are one of the things that give me hope for the future, but, uh, given all of the other shitty news we have to contend with now, uh, which in itself is still a bit of, uh, American privilege, if you will. Uh, but, but, uh, in all this, I, I really do kind of it, these simple little things just in the whole way life goes and how they'll play out with the release of these movies coming out. I'm really, I'm really, it does kind of give me some hope for the future. It, I mean, it really does. Uh, the only thing I'm not really looking forward to is kind of what direction they're going to be going on the next Star Wars story movie. I don't know what they, I haven't been paying attention. I don't know what they've got in the works, but like after Solo, I'm very, uh, concerned about what we may see next, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And also, why are they releasing solo in May instead of December? I don't know. I'm not going to complain. I can't wait to see it. Congratulations. Good point. There you go, <laughs> sir. Uh, but that I really, I want to see the Obi-Wan movie. I think the Obi-Wan movie, like, and I think the perfect guy to direct the Obi-Wan movie. And I've made this point to people around the office who tolerate what I say, um, is, uh, that they should get Steven Spielberg to direct the Obi-Wan movie. Like, if you told Spielberg, look, here's your chance to make a Star Wars movie and a Lawrence of Arabia movie, and you say, just do what you want with it. Tell the Obi-Wan story. The years between when he drops off Luke as a baby and he shows up in A New Hope, just, like, let Spielberg go nuts with him. Like, here, make your Star Wars adventure. I think that would be amazing. I, you know, I think because we've got Ewan McGregor, I think you're right, because... He's now to the point where they don't have to age him up a lot to to kind of get an age between, uh, you know, him now and how he becomes Alec Guinness. Um, <coughs> but uh, but I I think that one it, it would be a natural shoe in because it's the easiest one to still do with a character that could translate because they've they've been slowly merging the original or not the original trilogy but the prequels back into canon i mean you just know that that was probably some of the requirements that ryan johnson had to do making sure that certain things kind of got mentioned in especially if we're going to see an obi-wan movie in the future because you you kind of need to get people back in that prequel kind of mindset to accept well, that 
Don't you think that was kind of the uh, this? The, you okay? <laughs> Don't you think that was kind of at least I thought? And let me know what you think. That that's kind of what was cool about Rogue One is that it did a great job of bridging the prequels to the original trilogy in such a, like an effortless, you know, wonderful way that it, it actually made that made me think of the prequels more fondly. Now I don't go back and watch them, but you know, I was like, Oh, okay. This set, if this sets this up, then I'm okay with it. And hopefully solo you know, kind of does the same thing. You bring up a good point because the, the Jimmy Smith's of it all, he, he showed up in rogue one. He was a prequel connection. Um, are you still there? Or I'd lose you, sir. I'm still here. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna cough real quick. Yeah, it's okay. Believe me, I did too. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, what I was gonna say too. The other cool thing about Rogue One was that you just know they had a bit of dialogue that was required to be put in after they knew what Ryan Johnson was doing because when they're going through all the plans that are in that knowledge base, one of the things that that uh, what's her name says is like hyperspace tracking. And, and so uh, they brought that element in. So, you know, you, you do kind of need to pay attention to a little bit of the minutia if you want to try and figure out where they're going next. Yeah, and that's what I, I like about what Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi is he kind of expanded. The idea of these movies is to always expand the universe. And if, if I don't know, if, if the movies were just the same thing over and over again, nobody would really care for it anymore. Well, You've I got think, to constantly grow and expand. I think the one thing that all of us, uh, let's just say the original Star Wars generation, okay? That way we can kind of hit anybody that, that, that knew of a world of Star Wars before prequels and accepted it, okay? I, I think that's the easiest way to do it because then you're talking about uh, people from the 70s and, and 80s and potentially some of the early 90s as well, right? Um. Uh, but when it comes down to it, I think the thing all of us have to accept is that almost every one of these uh, new movies, really, they're a gigantic bridge product to get us from those that original trilogy to the new adventures of all the new people, or at least the new people that have to be new people, because you could always have a Chewbacca, you could always have a C-3PO, you could always have an R2-D2, and now you could always have a BB-8. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think an underrated an underrated part of Star Wars, and this is going to sound silly, but the, to me, one of the big MVPs of Star Wars is Ben Burt. And it, if people don't know, Ben Burt was the sound designer for Star Wars. So when you hear the Star Wars engines, the iconic Star Wars engines, or the lightsaber, or the blasters, or the way a ship moves. If you listen to the Star Wars movies, if you just listen to them, and this is kind of what Rogue One, why people like Rogue One so much, because it just it has all those sounds and it just brings you right back into it. And so like what you're saying, that the universe is already there. It's going to sound like it. It's going to, I guess if you're in a 40X movie, smell like it. You know, it's going to bring you right back into your childhood, you know? Yeah, but still, it's a little too fresh for me to see somebody else playing young Han Solo, playing young um, Lando Calrissian. Um, it's it's still a little too hard for me to accept that, especially considering, you know, you're not talking about a Han Solo that's very far off from the guy we first met. So, 
I, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, but then again, what else are you going to do? Because we don't want to have movies that are that have got you know these computer recreations. Because we we've, we've seen how that doesn't go so well so far. I'm going to say it. Okay, I am because Grand Moth Tarkin was was. Uh, well, I will say this though. My daughter, when she saw it, didn't know that he was a digital character. So there because you go. of because of our familiarity, we know and I, and I guess I have to accept that as well. I don't know. I thought Grand Moff Tarkin was fantastic. By and large, there's some moments I thought maybe not so much, but by and large I thought he was pretty great. Um I don't know if they did a solo movie and they cast Harrison Ford and they did the uh, the the thing that Marvel did with Kurt Russell and Robert Downey Jr. and Michael Douglas, where they de-aged him. I don't know what that would look like. Um, I I'm excited to see what like Donald Glover is going to do with Lionel Calrissian. Does he look like a young Billy Dee Williams? No. And you know, do I care? No. Are some people going to care? Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I think I think that's Donald just the way nerdum goes, right? There's yeah, there's nothing exactly. else we can do about it nerdum today is so i hear this all the time and it's so true that everybody is so spoiled and you and i both know that it's not always been this way if you told you 30 years ago that they're hey they're gonna make a han solo standalone movie you would have been like oh my god want to see that now now here we are like 30 years later and people are like well they're gonna make a standalone solo movie and some people are like eh, i don't know it's like what's the matter with you you know it's gonna be awesome there used to be a time where there were no such thing as spoilers. The the, the closest right. we had to the internet was Starlog magazine. Yes. You know? And, and and I don't even know how the only thing I can think is that there was an entire group of people that uh that trolled the um the convention scene and that's how some of the true leaks may have happened back in the day because like to this day I will never know how my friend well in advance of Empire Strikes Back, knew that Darth Vader was going to be Luke's dad. To this day, I don't know how he knew that, but I had a friend who did. So, you know, it's... it. But yeah, we lived in a world where, uh, I mean, we, we had to think the last Starfighter was great because, you know, there wasn't... There weren't other great options. You don't like the last Starfighter? No, I actually, I, I haven't, I don't know if it holds up, I guess is the best thing I could say. See, now you have to go back and watch it, and on your next podcast, see if it holds up. No, what I really need to do, if you really want to talk about, uh, that would be a good idea, though, um, watch the last Starfighter, and just do a running comment, well, I guess you'd have to watch it first, yes. just to get that out of the way, then you could, like, shoot a, a watch and reaction thing. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think that, uh, actually, I don't know. I mean, it might be interesting. I could give it a roll. I could throw that one out there if I wanted. Um, actually, but, but the thing I, I would like to do that's even more of a waste of time. I kid you not. There was somebody that, that did their best. Uh, and I think they, they built a, a special, uh, ROM for the MAME emulator, but they tried to develop the last starter fighter video game as it was seen in the movie. So the same type of graphics and mechanics and everything else. And I'm talking about the game that he plays in sure. order to, uh, in order to, uh, be cho chosen as the, not the chosen one because that was future man. But I, I, I love that there is a show on Hulu that makes a reference to a movie from the eighties. It's like, what the hell is going on nowadays? It's I know. And 
and just wait for Ready Player One, where it's going to be basically the same thing. Yes, because that entire uh, book is nothing but a gigantic love letter to the 80s. But I guess, I mean, really, that's that's one of the things that the entertainment industry has known all along, and they're definitely cashing in now, is that nostalgia means money. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no getting away from it. And if there's anything I want to make uh, sure people are, it's that they're nostalgic about NetHead. So we should probably wrap this up now. But, Brett, thanks so much uh, for the conversation, man. You know, it was great uh, boring the rest of the audience about the finer behind-the-scenes details of 4DX. But definitely, folks, remember uh, that you can check out uh, the 4DX. Uh, go ahead and find it on the, the interwebs. Uh, and you can find out where the nearest one is to you. I mean, it obviously you got to be one near one of the major metropolitan areas. But if you find yourself in Los Angeles or New York and you got some time to kill, why not kill it in a 4DX theater? That's what I'm <clears throat> saying. Well, yeah, Seattle, Washington, D.C., Orlando. I'm trying to think if you're outside Chicago, Gurney, Illinois. Oh, there you um, go. All those times yeah. I'm in Gurney. <laughs> hey. I grew up outside Chicago. I went to Gurney a lot. Fair enough, sir. Anyway, uh, thanks for dropping in, man. Really appreciate that. Uh, and I had a great time talking to you. I really did. It was a, it was, it was wonderful. And I can't wait to re-upload the video because, like, for the first ten minutes, nobody could hear you on the video, or maybe in the first twenty. But it doesn't matter. The video is just an enhancement, right? It's not an, an, a requirement kind of thing. It's all the better. Well, I don't think so because it made your show better. No, because everybody sees just how much of a gigantic pink blob I'm becoming. But, you know, isn't that the appeal? Isn't that why guys on a Friday night tune into your live show to see a big pink blob? There you go. Why not? Right. Let's go. Let's go see the large looking awkward guy. That sounds like fun. These are men by themselves (coughs) in a dark room tuning in to see you. God, I hope their pants are on. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, folks, until next time, my name is Will. Uh, is this where I put in my name? Yeah, why not? All right, I'm Brett. Thank you, Will. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, and uh, until next time, folks, we'll be back soon. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker signing off. Oh. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. NetHeads. 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 We'll be back soon. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.